is just the thug anthem, the real nigga anthem, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not trying to commit no suicide or nothing when I say that. I'm just saying a nigga come out here every day hustling, hustling, risking his life, you know what I'm saying? Risking his life from the police, the stick-up man, you know what I'm saying? Anything can happen to a nigga on the streets, you know what I'm saying? So when I say a nigga ready to die, I mean a nigga ready to go all out for his, ready to die for that money, ready to die for his respect, whatever a nigga gotta do. No matter what it takes, get the job done. All culture. I, I do this for my culture. Black culture and hip hop culture. It's Corners of the Culture with D-Lo and KC. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Corners of the Culture. I'm D-Lo. He's KC. Yes, sir. This podcast is meant to touch every corner that makes up our culture, black culture and hip hop culture. Another album revisit today. We talked about you came out firing last week. Came out, I'm not, not gonna lie, you came out kind of hot. I mean, it's, it's, look, it called for it. It called for it. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, after talking about it last week, after everything that went down, I mean, I'm sure maybe you went back and listened to the album again. I mean, it, yeah. is, it, is it still valid? Is it still, there? there's an argument to be made. That's the greatest oh. album of all time. No doubt. There is an argument to be made that the blueprint by Jay-Z is the greatest hip hop album of all time. Mm -hmm. My argument lies in the corner of what we're doing today. Mm. Because while it was September 11, 2001, that the blueprint dropped, and that's what lined up our episode last week, September 13, 1994, wow. <laughs> that Ready to Die dropped. Ready to Die, uh, Notorious B.I.G., for my money, the greatest hip-hop album of all time. Now, I'll say there's two albums in my lifetime that have influenced me more than any other piece of music. Thriller by Michael Jackson, because that was my introduction. That that That's where, like music became went from like being just background noise to like I, like music being a huge like super influential part of my life ready to die changed the way i listen to music forever it changed the way i listen to music to this day mm. when i heard ready to die for the first time and saw the way that it played out i never listened to i used to get albums and skip and fast forward and shoot this is 94 i think i had doggy style on tape <laughs> that and kind of yeah this is cool ah this is cool and then cd's coming to play and you just start skipping and jumping and you go to your favorite ready radio record and move all over the place yeah. but ready to die the way that album was put together it was this is how you listen to the album you put it in you hit play and you let it ride mm. that's how you listen to that and and now you know i don't do any skips i don't do any moving around until my second listen first listen I got to hear it as they created it. And mm -hmm. that start to finish, and that's all because of Ready to Die. And you know what? Obviously, the the the, the, the man who performed on, on the album, uh, Notorious B.I.G., we're going to talk about him for a long time today. But when you talk about that album and the way it's put together and the way it taught you how to listen to the album, you got to tip your hat and salute Puffy. Sean mm -hmm. Holmes. I yeah. mean, because I I could be wrong. I'm, I'm sure it was somewhat of a team effort, but that seems like something that was his vision. The way he wanted that story to be told, him creating that story. We hear all the time about him getting with, with Big and 
Big was a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Buff was like, no, this is, you can do it that way, but if you do it this way, you won't just be getting off the block. You'll become a star. You'll become yeah. a superstar. And it's it's the it's the classic give and take that we always hear between those two where, you know, Big was like, nah, man, this is, it's kind of corny or I'm not feeling it. And Buff was like, trust me, let me do this. And that's kind of when you talk about the sequencing and putting together that album, um, a lot of credit has to go to Puffy for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like obviously Puff is a, is a huge part of this. And I, and I learned in this that Puff was, he's a lot like Dr. Dre. If you, if you, if you ever like read about Dr. Dre, you hear about Dr. Dre, like he's a perfectionist and he wants to, he he wants to micromanage every piece of sound Mm -hmm. and, and, and stuff that seems little to us is massive to him. Mm -hmm. Puff was the same way. But I think the difference in the two is like Dr. Dre was a like borderline maestro and he was he 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 knew when a sound was perfect. Puff had like a lot to prove. And this was this was this was Diddy's really first venture. I mean, everybody knows about Jodeci and Mary J. Blige. But you talk about this, this street record like. There's two really distinctive sounds to Ready to Die. There's the 1993 Ready to Die and the 1994 Ready to Die. Hmm. This album was like cut off at the legs early because Puff got fired from Uptown. Mm-hmm. And so they had recorded. So it, it, it's actually, if you listen to it, you can pick probably very accurately the records that were recorded in 1993 mm-hmm. and the records that were recorded in 1994. You pull out those grimy records, uh, Ready to Die. Things done changed. Mm-hmm. Give me the loot. Those are 1993 records. Big still jotting stuff down on notepads and 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 reading off, you know, reading off of his notebooks in the studio when they're putting that together. That's street big. Right. Puff gets fired from Uptown, and Big's like, "Yo, what? What's this mean for the album? What's it? No one knew what it meant for Big. No one knew what it meant for Puff. No one knew what it meant for anything." Mm-hmm. Big went back to selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Big was like, all right, I got to get back in these streets. I got to make money. There's a story that he was in North Carolina. He went back to drug dealing. He went down to North Carolina. Puff was begging him to come back like, yo, let's come back. Get out the street. Get out the game. Leave that stuff behind you. And let's put in work on this record. Puff sent him a ticket. He uh, takes the flight to New York. The next day, that drug house is raided. Mm. everybody was in the drug house goes to jail. So he gets back up with Diddy in 94 and then they start putting together the rest of ready to die. They start putting together, you know, the, the, what we know as this album, there's what's crazy too, is there's a bunch of different versions of all of these songs. (laughs) Like there's songs where samples didn't clear. There are songs where, remixes are bigger than the originals like there's there's all sorts of of different versions to this album but 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 before we get into to the to the tracks if you go back to 1994 you think about big in new york like how important this album was because 1994 the chronic and 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 doggy style and and that g-funk sound that's running hip-hop like wu-tang is cool and, 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 you know, I, and, and I'm not trying to diminish Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang has always had their following. Mm-hmm. But 
that that wasn't as that wasn't as I don't want to use the word pop, but I, I think that's the actual popular, word. like you know, like yeah. the pop has a negative connotation, but it derives from what's like, popular and and the G funk sound and 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 death row and everything. That was the most popular thing going in hip hop right now, or at that time. Yeah, that all crossed over, and 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 Wu Tang was dope for the hip hop community. It didn't cross over. Mm-hmm. Illmatic, same thing. Illmatic was dope for the hip hop community. It didn't like cross over the way that that the Chronic and Doggy style did, and everything on Death Row did. I'll give you a perfect example. In 1994. I'm 11 years old. Just turned 11, maybe. Actually, before that. So that's, you said September 13th is when Ready to Die dropped. That's when I was 11. When you talk about Biggie coming on the scene, that had to be before July 22nd, 1994, which is you know my birthday. So mm-hmm. I'm 11 years old. Or I'm 10 years old at the time, mm-hmm. and in Sacramento, California, which is where I born and raised. I'm not just just me. I'm sure there might have been other 10 year olds or 11 year olds who are doing things. I'm not hearing Wu-Tang. I'm not hearing Illmatic. I'm turning it on to 102.5. And what I'm hearing on there is essentially what I'm hearing for for music and for hip hop and things of that nature. And out here on the West Coast, we weren't hearing like unless you were a hip hop head or you're like really into this thing. I was your casual music listener at that time. Like I said, 10 years old, my mom, single mom, she like casually likes what's hot and played on the radio. Well, that's anything on the chronic. That's what's my name. That's gin and juice. That's what I'm hearing. That's what's all over the airways at that time. So in New York, yeah, maybe they playing it on hot nights or, you know, playing it in on other radio stations in, in on the West coast. Aside from a certain show on KML or 92.3 to beat down in LA or 102.5 in Sacramento, we're not really hearing it. Catch Ebro at midnight on right. 102.5. <laughs> we're not hearing all that. So, yeah, I mean, and it takes nothing away from the greatness of Wu Tang and Nas, but like you talk about crossover, mm-hmm. we, we weren't hearing that stuff. It was Rap City. Like, if you wanted to tap into sounds like that, you had to catch it on Rap City. Uh, that's where I got introduced to Wu Tang. That's where I got introduced to to Nas was 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 Rap City because those weren't those weren't radio records out here, um, and Ready to Die comes along, you know, in that era where the West Coast is running everything, and you know we'll we'll get into this, but you know Juicy's the first single, like Puff knew Juicy had to be the first single because he needed to get big on the radio. They needed a New York sound on the radio. And that's what Juice became. That's what Big became. And and then obviously, you know, Big Papa, the remixes, the singles, everything that followed ap- after that kind of helped the album explode. And again, not not to, you know, no shade here, but I think Ready to Die kind of opened the New York music scene back up to where mm-hmm. it was like, yo, y'all peep this Illmatic? Mm-hmm. Y'all here with this kid Nas that, yo, y'all... Oh, I was hearing I was hearing things about the Wu Tang. Yo, let's check out this Enter the Thirty Six Chambers, and yeah. you had already had there was a little bit of Craig Mack buzz, you know, from from the singular record, the flavor in your ear. You know, the album didn't really quite do, you know, I, I think what Puff and and the rest of them thought, but it it was uh when you put all of that stuff together, and and, and it can't be underscored how huge Method Man was at the time, also. Mm. It, it can't be it can't be you know underscored how much ready to die played a factor in kind of boosting the east coast back up after 
you know, death row in, 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 in uh, the West Coast was running things there for a couple of years. Without a shadow of a doubt, he brought the East Coast back. Yeah. And once again, I don't want to be disrespectful to Wu-Tang or Nas, the legends that they are, the, the, the great bodies of work that they put out and what they did when they entered the 36 Chambers and Illmatic, not being disrespectful at all. But when you talk about on a national level, on a on a on a national platform and making the music and the sound of of an entire generation unless you were in new york city or surrounding areas that's not what illmatic was at that time that's not what any of the 36 chambers was at that time that's what ready to die was that's what juicy was that's what big papa was that's what one more chance remix was that one from coast to coast, from north to south, everybody knew about that. And and Biggie did that. Biggie brought that back and brought the East back on that platform. I love this album to me always has played out like a cinematic feature. Like it plays out like a movie and it starts with that intro. And the intro was, you talk about Puff's influence on this whole thing, like that that was that was the that's that was puffy's idea mm-hmm. he had the idea for what records to use um i think they wanted to use got to give it up by marvin gay but couldn't get that cleared so they kind of adjusted a little bit but he put the whole knowing the album was called ready to die he put the whole the whole introduction scene together and i thought it, it, it to, to me it, even though it's it you don't go back and bump that part of the album like right. you start with you start with things unchanged, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so important to the album because it helps kind of set the table for what you're about to listen to. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it is. We say this a lot when we talk about this album, but that intro was perfect. It set the scene for the ride that you're about to go on, the experience that you're about to have listening to Ready to Die. It set the scene for the for the time period from what the time period he came from to where we're at up until that point. And it was absolutely perfect. And things done change dropped. Ooh. Like that's the that's the that's the record coming out the gate. Things done change. <laughs> and it, days, days, shades, yeah. shades and corn braids. Woo. Again, you talk about hearing hearing the word perfect a lot, but just such a like such a great start to the re- to 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 the album as a whole cuz it hits and the, like that that song has a little bit of everything right it has a it has the it has kind of like a funk sound to it mm-hmm. which matches the popular sound of the time but it's it's telling a story in it and then you get street big when give me the loot drops <laughs> <laughs> give me the loot hits and it's like yo there were our easy mo b tells the story he was like easy mo b would go to puff hey yo is this too much like <laughs> this is dark dude like he's he's going at it and puff no 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 it's good it's good it's good of course there's the there's the uh baby ring in the number one pump mom pending there's that that line in there about being pregnant uh that's 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 flipped that they they wound up you know yeah, kind of yeah. they, like all right we know this is the uh the the explicit version but wait just a minute <laughs> you can't say that <laughs> i wouldn't give up if you're pregnant 
<laughs> yeah, easy, easy Mo B mate was in and he was like, yo, we gotta sell records. Like we, the <laughs> ultimate goal of this, we got we can't have groups mad at us with the second song or what became the second song on on the album. And you know, Diddy kind of brushed it off, brushed it off, brushed it off, and finally was like, Ah, oh, yeah, maybe we'll make some changes. Again, it's a by today's standards, it doesn't seem that like it's a it's a it's a grimy record. It has a grimy sound with the two different bigs. I heard also heard the way that he recorded that. I don't think everybody, I think hip hop people know that that's big. I don't know that everybody knows that that's all big. The, uh, the, his little partner in crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the way he recorded it was he would, uh, pause. So he would just rap the part like as as big, you know, give me the loot, give me the loot. I'm a my man and fed the tech I'm a nine in my crib. And then one to three, he'd be home into 93. You ready to get this paper, G? You with me? And then he just pause. <laughs> he start he start moving. No need for that. Just grab the fucking gat, two pot two to his back. And then he just keep he would wrap it in his head mm. and then pick it up. Exactly. They'd, run it, they'd run it back. And he'd start rapping in the blank parts. Wow, wow, that's what yeah, I mean. That was that was pretty dope at the time to you know that that to, to have to play that out that way with with the two guys, you know, his, his buddy, and they they're going around and you know they're going around robbing, sticking kids up. I think it was a couple years before I knew that was big. <laughs> I don't think I knew that out the gate. Like I don't think I knew out the gate that that was big. And then I remember listening to it one time and just thinking man yo who is that it sound yo who is that started doing some research like oh it's big like okay all right yeah. all right um easy mo b has a massive influence on this entire album and he was the uh he 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 was the producer behind that track machine gun funk drops that was that was another one of the early records. That was another one of the 1993 records. Mm -hmm. And if memory serves me correctly, Machine Gun Funk, Biggie wanted Machine Gun Funk to be the first single. Mm. When it was all said and done, he wanted he wanted that to be the first single. We'll talk about it when we get there. He hated Juicy. <laughs> he did not like it at all. Yeah. And he wanted Machine... He, he was like, I, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But... Yeah, Machine Gun Funk. He wanted to be the first, the first, uh, the first single, and, and Puff was like, "No." <laughs> it's it, and I and I, I was listening to it this morning. Like, it's not that. It's not like that grimy of a record. No, no. It's, especially compared to like "Give Me the Loot" and some yeah. of the other tracks on here. But it's hard to envision any other record than Juicy. It, well, we'll 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 get we'll get to that too. We'll get to that too. But I mean. It's, Baby on the way, mad bills to pay. That's why I drink Tanger Race so I can reminisce and wish we wasn't living so devilish. Like he was, that's the that's the thing that people like, I think, forget or um, because it's been 25, 30 years since, you know, these, these the bars are crazy. Yeah. Like the way he, the way he rapped is sick, man. The bars Whoa. are crazy. So we might as well just skip around at this point. We'll 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 get well, to well, well, look. We'll skip around after this next one though, because this this is the one where it was like, yo, this guy's nuts. So look, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something real quick. When Ready to Die came out, like I said, I was 
that just turned 11 years old. My memories of listening to Ready to Die isn't when it dropped, right? I wasn't listening to Ready to Die. I didn't listen to Ready to Die in full for, I, I can't even lie to you, for years. Like I was probably in high school. It had been out, it was well past his death um, for years, like going back and actually like with a little bit of a more mature ear, listening uh, to Ready to Die. And obviously Warning was a little bit of a single, you know, that the video and stuff like that. But I remember, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to Warning until I listened to the album. Mm. And then I would hear Warning. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this this song. I remember the video. And, you know, he's in the bed with the two girls and on the phone and stuff. And then I just started listening to the, to the, to the bars, to the lyrics. And I'm like, oh, this dude is nasty. Who a lot of slow singing oh, and flower bringing. That's the case. My bark alarm start ringing. What you think all the guns is for? That's a uh, that's a Isaac Hayes joint. Who did Easy Moby made that for? Oh, um, he made that record for Big Daddy Kane because Big Daddy Kane loved Isaac Hayes and that 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 funk sound, and he played hmm. it for him. And Big Daddy Kane was like, "Yo, hit the next track." Hmm. Moby was like, "You don't you don't like that track?" He was like, "Nah, just play the next one." So he played that for Big, and Big went nuts for it. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's one. Of, I mean, that's one of the signature songs of, of of the. And that's the thing we talk about when we talk about Big. You 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 keep talking about the lyrics. You keep talking about the bars that he's dropping, and we ain't even got to me with what the illest record on the on the whole album is yet. I think I got an idea too. I bet you do. <laughs> um, he. This works today. Yes. Like it doesn't. This is going to come across the shade because they're not my favorite. Like, I don't think bone works today. I don't think bone like, like even thuggish rug is bone, which is a good song. You kind of listen to it. Like Fuck this. <laughs> it doesn't work to me. It doesn't work. You, you know, it, Respect the legends, you know, this, 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 you know, our first episode was about the birth of hip hop, like the way Cool Mo D rapped and the way that Run DMC rapped, it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't translate today. Big works today. Like you take these exact lyrics, you take this exact cadence, you take this way that he's rhyming. It works today flawlessly. It's timeless. Right. Not all hip hop is timeless. Big in his two albums produced records that that cross generations that are absolutely timeless. And and it's so interesting. I have this conversation with my cousin all the time, man, about shout out Aceberg. Shout out Ace, you know. Ace and Naughty G, man. Those are my two hip hop guys right there, man, for sure. Uh I mean, we gotta have them on the show. Like they they yeah, I think it'd be great to have them on, but we'll get to that at one point. But when you listen to Big in my opinion, it's not like he's he's saying stuff that, um, like, how do I explain it? It doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to come up with those lines if you were trying to rap, right? Like when he says, I'm ready to die. Fuck the world. Fuck my moms and my girl. My life has played out like a Jerry curl. I'm ready. Like, that's not. He's not like that. Wait, I gotta run that back. I can't. Oh, I get what he's saying now. Like when you hear Jay Z and he'll he'll say something like, "Oh, 
I didn't even put that together the first time. Biggs rhymes are are fifteen thousand like, word think pieces on Jay Z lyrics. Right, like it's not that they're relatively basic, but I always said the timing and in the in the presentation was flawless. Like I said, that line right there: "Fuck the world, fuck my mom's and my girl. My life is played out like a Jerry girl. I'm ready to die." Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's so simple but so hard and uh i think you you find that stuff littered all throughout this album well the, the way that song as i grabbed the glock i put it to your headpiece one in the chamber the safety is off release that's a that's a dark record it's a dark record but it has that yes i'm ready so it kind of like <laughs> takes the edge off of it a little bit yeah, yeah. you get into the ready to die song but it it it's a like when you if you if you cut that out and just went with the lyrics like that's a that's a dark ass record it is it is and then you go from that to one more chance yo <laughs> the original version you want to talk about spitting first of all like he was in his bag on this song lyrically so juicy drops big papa drops mm-hmm. and I think Puff goes back to Machine Gun Funk mm-hmm. and was like, okay, that's the next single. Let's do Machine Gun Funk. And the label was like, um, no, nah, we, we got an idea. And so Puff is pissed because he's like, no, what are you talking about? You got an idea. Do what I told you to do. Let's drop this record. He was like, no, we got an idea. We want to do one more chance. Puff was like, one more chance ain't nothing but curses. We can't, we can't put that record out there. And then so they start gassing Diddy up like, well, you like created the remix with that flavor in your ear remix. So let's do a remix with no more chance with with all of these these hip hop heads and all of these these R&B women screaming about how they want how they want one more chance with Big. Yeah. And 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 Diddy was like, oh. Okay, I got it. And hangs up the phone, calls big, tells him, tells him the plan. And like two weeks later, they're 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 they they do the song and then they record the video right after where they have all of the you know Jane is in it. Like it's it's it's, it's Mary Jay is in it, changing faces is in it, faith is in it, everybody is in that video. And that was that was an idea because they didn't want to drop much. They thought, yo, juicy, juicy covered all of the bases. Papa hit like a vibe we weren't ready for. Mm-hmm. One more chance is if we could create a song that had like an attraction of of Big Papa, but yeah. a smoother sound like Juicy, we could. And there's that like people don't like the 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 uh, the sample that they use on um, the remix, mm-hmm. the, the 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 debarge sample. Mm-hmm. It's in the first one. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just constructed different. Like if right. you if you go listen to it right now, you'll hear it. You'll hear uh, the, the 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 piece of it. It's just it's constructed completely differently. And then when they pull the whole th- the na 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 na, oh my god, that right. song to, the, to this right. day, that Come song on, to this man. day will light up any party you're at. Come on, that is that is on the short list of greatest songs he ever made. Like and and here's a situation where you know people always get mad at the labels and all this other stuff. They were 100 percent correct. They oh, were 100 yeah. percent correct because that took him to another stratosphere. 
You know, he come up first things first. I pop up, freak mm-hmm. all the honeys, dummies, Playboy bunnies, those wanting money. Come, I mean, it 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 magnified his charisma and his swagger, which is funny because the two the 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 lyrics on the regular version when it comes to sex, I'm similar to the Thriller in Manila. Honeys call me bigger. They're they're like they're not even the same. They're, no. They're not, they're, they're like, that's a remix. No, it's just a different song. Yeah. They're not like he's, um, he, he's, he's like real suave on the remix. Yeah. On the original, he's just, he's kind of aggressive. <laughs> kind of aggressive. Like, like there's still a, like a smooth, cocky element to it, but it's not, like I said, as suave as, as the One More Chance remix. And then he had obviously the, um, the bad boy remix too that I used to love because I, I give me one more chance. Is it not piggy piggy? Give me one more chance. I always loved it because I could flip it to Kenny. Give me one more chance. Kenny, okay. Kenny, give me one more chance. <laughs> I always loved that remix too. But now that that one more chance was just once again, I talked about it earlier about about uh getting to the West coast and getting on a a national platform. Mm -hmm. And my mom, Cheryl and L Grove. Oh, she fucked one, one more chance. Heavy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) heavy. Like we're going to basketball practice. One more chance is being played. Like, and she's not a hip hop head or nothing like that, but she just like, and once he was able to tap into, to those type of fans, and call it pop or whatever the case may be. But once he was able to tap into that, where Illmatic and 36 Chambers weren't, that's what took this whole thing to another level, man. It would have been tough to use the original version on the album (laughs) and then follow it up with one of the more famous interludes uh, (laughs) in hip hop. (laughs) And it's, 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 it's the fucking interlude. And if you haven't heard it in a while, it's, it, it like so so keep this in mind go listen to this after you li- go go listen to the interlude after you listen to the podcast and know it's 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 big and kim everyone knows that they're sitting on a piano bench and that's what the that's what the creaking is yeah not a, it's that that wasn't after production that's 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 a piano bench that big is sitting on and kim is sitting on top of him so <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how far they went with it, but I know the lights are out in the studio. And from what I hear, it was a super long take that they kept having to start over because everybody was laughing like <laughs> the people, you know, out, outside of the booth were laughing at Kim. If you go back and listen to it right now, you can hear the cuts where Big and Kim are laughing because <laughs> they, they're laughing through the process, too. And then you can hear where it cuts and like Kim you fat mother and then like cleans it up and then and, and then does it again and the whole time the screech the, the the screeching that you're hearing that sounds like the bed it's a piano bench that they're sitting on in the studio <laughs> little stuff like that where i mean it's it's iconic it's something that we'll we'll never forget that interlude mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just an interlude it's not a song it's not anything really other than 
um, two people having a good time. But well, it, and, 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 and there's Jodeci playing in the background, which is the key. Like, yeah, it's a key. Yeah, absolutely. Ain't nobody, I mean, everybody can relate to having Jodeci playing in the background. Absolutely. It, you weren't outside if Jodeci wasn't playing in the background. Exactly. But you know what this also does, though, that I feel was really important for Big E. You heard it one more chance. You heard it one more chance remix. You heard it, Big Papa. You hear it in this this in, interlude. Is the way Biggie was self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Like he, he yeah, I'm fat, I'm dark. You know, so if we really got into the psychology of it all, it might have been like insecurities that he was like trying to get out in front of before, you know, and 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 um not let those things affect him. Might have been that, mm-hmm. but I thought that's what also made him um, as great as he was, because he'll he'll say, "Yeah, I'm I'm fat, I'm dark, I'm ugly. I got so many women though; <laughs> they love me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's the way I talk to them. It's 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 they love, and because he was had that confidence, and that confidence oozed over every track that he was ever on. He could have Kim." making jokes about his weight and talking about Kentucky fry eating all this like, and be fine and laugh with her and be in on the joke. And I, I would, I wonder what that was really all about or if it was about anything, but it was genius. It was, it was genius. And it, it got, he got ahead of everything that anybody could ever say to him. I, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it, it, it could be insecurities and pointing out these flaws and trying to get ahead of them, or, or it could be the exact opposite. It could be someone who's super secure in themselves. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm fat. I'm, 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 I'm ugly, uh, fat and ugly as ever. Yeah. Like that's cool. But I'm every Kim will tell you, Faye will tell you, <laughs> Charlie Baltimore will tell you every woman I ever encountered will tell you I'm the most charming motherfucker you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think they're, they're, that's the, the, I think probably the most common consensus around Big is that he had a huge, no pun intended, personality. Yeah. And he, you know, he was funny. He made people laugh. Uh, and, and people were, were drawn to him well before he was a star. Yeah. People were, he, he had a presence. You know, some people walk into a room, you're that guy. You walk into a room, you've got a presence. Big had a presence and about big man. I think when you're, I, you know, I, I think there is an argument to insecurities and I think there's an equally strong argument as to someone who's just so secure in themselves. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll point it out. She's, she's calling me all this stuff while she's on top of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I love that about big man. I love that. He was, um, and like you mentioned, it's a great point. Like he was secure in himself. He was unapologetically himself. Uh, I, I, as I got older, like I said, I was a young kid at the time, so I didn't really get it. But as I got older as a man and as a young man myself, I loved that about him, man. That was, that was really dope. Uh, the lone guest feature comes on, uh, the next track. It's, it's Method Man, the what? Um, and there's a, a, a fun note in here. Method Man was like the, I guess, Wu-Tang really didn't rock with Big or maybe it, it, it might not have been the Wu-Tang that didn't rock with Big, but like Raekwon and Ghost yeah. didn't, didn't rock with Big. 
and the method man's like, I wouldn't read anything into that. Cause those dudes don't rock with nobody. <laughs> so, like that's not really a knock on big, but uh, they ran into each other somewhere. And, and big was, you know, I want you to do, I want you to do this record with me. And if you ever like listen closely to the beginning of, um, method man's rap, he starts with T H O D man. And, and, and kind of starts going going from there. And the reason he does that, but he's rapping over Big, so you can't really hear it. Big's last words on his rhyme are M-E. Mm. And it was supposed to be M-E. And he's, he's, talk, he's, he's saying me, something, something, me, M-E-T-H-O-D, man. But Method Man says, like, if we had done it that way, I, I had to step on him or I would have been off beat. Right. So you only hear it if you pay attention really closely. That's why it sounds weird when it just starts with T-H-O-D. And, 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 and it came out perfect. Oh, it's, 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 it came out perfect. That's exactly perfect. how it should have been, is the way it ended up being. Maybe not the way they envisioned it at first. The way it ended up being is just, it's flawless. That, that I, earlier we were talking about bars or whatever, and I think, were you alluding to this song as being no? I want to hear what it is because yeah, the what is when you, oh when you God, think yeah. about these two going at it, you know, in a in a friendly way on mm-hmm. this track, man. I, now I'm anxious. I thought yeah. you were talking about the what. I want to know what you're talking about now. These are the two uh, the two two of the baddest lyricists of the time um, together on this track. Uh, but we'll 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 get to the one that I think is the illest uh, coming up here in a minute. Um, we talked about Juicy. We'll we'll dive into the details on this. Juicy was a it it, it, it was a late '94 record. It, it was it was one of the latest songs recorded for the album. And again, it was one of those situations where Big was like, "I don't I don't want I'm grimy. I don't want to do this." And mm-hmm. Puff again, being you know showing the signs of being that marketer that he's always been is that's great. Like we could sell records in Brooklyn or we can sell records everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have a song that's going to help us sell records everywhere. So they went through a bunch of old school songs. Puff really liked the, you know, the Juicy Fruit record and he would play it and play it. And so they kind of reworked the beat a little bit and Big got used to it. He was like, OK, I can rock with this. Recorded the song, did it, you know, did, did that kind of commercial appeal. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine still hated it (laughs) still hated that song probably if you forced me to pick my favorite song ever it's Mm -hmm. probably juicy wow it's juicy is probably my favorite record ever and yeah big hated it (laughs) didn't like it and it wasn't until i think even when puff even when puff convinced him to make this the first single like this is what we have to do because this will get on the radio we can make a video with this this is a song everybody can relate to we almost called the podcast it was all a dream (laughs) the only thing that stopped us was justin tinsley who just dropped the book called it was all a dream that was one of the things that stopped us from from naming the, the, the this podcast that um it wasn't until he saw the response to the record that he was like okay i get it yeah, I get it. Like I, I understand. I, I see why this 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 song had to be first. I see why we had to do it. And that, if you go when you listen to Life After Death, now keep that in mind because there's far more songs like Juicy 
mm-hmm. and Big Papa mm-hmm. and the One More Chance remix than there are Give Me the Loot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was just his, yo, I, I okay, Brooklyn's gonna buy my record. I gotta make I gotta I gotta I gotta make an album everybody will buy. Yeah, and I think this you you will probably know this too, but the, I think the story went that I, I don't want to say let, but to part of the bartering system of doing juicy was Puffy let Biggie make who shot you. I think that was the record. He's like, all oh, right, okay. if you he was like, all right, you do Juicy, you get to do, oh, we get to put who shot you on there or whatever. That was the, that was the compromise there. Because, I mean, big, big, and this is why it was so important for, for Puffy to be with him. Big wasn't thinking outside of Brooklyn. He wasn't thinking outside of New York. And he didn't care. He wanted to be, he wanted to be the Wu-Tangs. Nah, I want to be this grimy, you know, lyrical you know, in C, you know, and and Puffy was like, I think you could be a star. Yeah. I you could be a superstar. And then there had to be those moments where there was a barter. And I guess Juicy, Juicy allowed Who Shot You to be on the album. I think that's how it went. Well, no, because Who Shot You was a B-side on a Mary J. Blige record, I think. Who Shot mm-hmm. You wasn't on the 1994 release of the album. No, see, and that's so I heard that too. So I don't know, I don't know, because I thought the same thing. When you hear like the original "Ready to Die," who shot you's not on there. It right. comes back later in years, and who yeah, it's on, there. on some second release. Or but whatever. I don't know. I don't know if it was. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I heard the story though. I heard that that was that was the song that he had to he had to barter with was who shot you. I don't know when that happened. I don't know what's going on, but that was the song that allowed Juicy to be like, all right, we, we'll go with it. Okay, them. okay. Uh, who shot you was, a, was, a, was a, so, man, where is a, Mary J comes into play here somewhere, mm-hmm. but who shot you was the B-side for Big Papa and Warning. They dropped Big Papa and Warning together. Who shot you was the B-side mm-hmm. on that. Um, I know Mary J plays in somewhere he did the uh he was on the uh he was on the song right the um he was on the real love remix real love remix yeah, yeah. Sky, it's, it's a bird it's a plane here it is who shot you uh mary j blige my life i i, I still i still don't i still don't know where this is coming from nah. i know mary j plays a part in this somewhere always <laughs> I, I know, I know the song will always have kind of its connotations because of Pac and all of that. Yeah, who shot you? Is a nasty ass record. Oh my goodness, who shot you? From the obsolete heart to creep the Brooklyn streets is on, nigga. Fuck all that bicker. You talk about you talk about staying up listening to Ebro on one hundred two five. There was a, <laughs> a a show. I can't remember my brother's name, but he used to uh, uh, he used to to mix like it, 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 there'd be no video to it. But you could hear the audio on like public access, mm-hmm. like on just regular TV. Yeah. And I would just wait because he was the only one I knew who played Who Shot You. Mm-hmm. And I would just wait and wait and wait for that record to come on because yeah. it, it wasn't getting no radio run. And I I didn't know where to find it at the time. Right. Oh, so, nah, that was that was sick. That was sick. So. All right. I'm, I'm going to let you I'm going to let you still drive it because I, I got to. 
I got a hot take. Okay. It's not even really a hot take, but keep keep going. Go keep going where you were going to go next. Well, I mean, every day struggle is next, and it's the most forgettable record on on, on the album. Nah. Friend not is. Friend of mine is the most forgettable record. Yeah. Okay. Everyday struggle is cool. I like it. No, I don't. I don't have no beef with. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't have any beef with the song. My problem is everyday struggles, like sandwiched between juicy and Big Papa. <laughs> right. And then like it's all right, cool. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. It, it, it's cool. I'm, I'm like it, it, again. The song is fine. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sandwiched between Juicy and Big Good Papa. Point. It's, it's sandwiched point. between Mutame and, and, and the Isley Brothers. And <laughs> it just winds up getting the, uh, I can't wait for Big Papa. I'm going to go ahead and say I'll even I'll even say this. I'll even throw uh, me and my bitch in there, too. As a people, record? No, no. I think people oh. will skip everyday struggle to get to that record. Oh, yeah. 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 That was storytelling at its finest right there. Yeah, so I think with me and my, there's like four versions of it. They could, they have a version of one where they couldn't get the sample cleared. There's one, I think the original, I think the one that's on the album is the second version. The first version, and if you search on the internet, I think you can find it. Mm. The first version has a mini Ripperton, mini Ripperton sample that Stevie Wonder wrote. And they went to Stevie to clear the sample. He was like, yeah, I like the song, but the language doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So he said, no, he didn't clear the sample. So they had to switch it up, create the different, you know, the, the, the version that we hear on the album now. Yeah. But then there's the concert version with the, the computer love beat. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which I'd argue that's the best one of, 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 of all three. I don't remember if that made the show soundtrack or not. But that's that's the version to me is is the one with the computer love beat. Yeah, no, nah, that's and that's uh, um, man, like I said, storytelling at its finest. Uh, I know a lot of people, and maybe not completely and hundred percent. And obviously, the end of the uh, of the last verse was something you know out of a movie or something like that. But there's some people that can relate to the. The, the the what he's talking about in that whole that whole at least the tenor of the relationship right where it's like you know then we lie together cry together i swear to god i hope we fucking die together like y'all just had this knockdown drag out you fighting and i don't want to go nowhere else i love you i, I hope we die. you know what i mean like there he, he was uh just like rap this rap he was dramatic with it he was extra with it but the the feelings that you get in a relationship like that. I mean, I thought he hit spot on for, for a lot of relationships. Well, <laughs> how funny is it to listen to the record and then think about his relationship with Kim? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that song is about his relationship with Kim, right? but it works. <laughs> right. like it absolutely works. Um, and, you know, of course there's, there's big Papa. The story behind big Papa is, Puff wanted the beat and then they, 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 they did it. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't do anything with it. And he was like, all right, like, I don't know that we're going to use this song. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it was probably, it was probably easy Moby. Then I'll, I'll, I'll double check here real quick. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't like being wrong. 
Um, but it was oh no, it it, it it was it was Chucky Thompson, and it was Chucky Thompson who put together the beat, and then he wound up giving it to Mr. Cheeks and the Lost Lost Boys. Mm. And they, remember, uh, uh, Jeeps, Lex, Coops, Beamers, and Benzes. Mm. That, that that they were gonna they they he he wound up swapping the beat that they used for that to get Big Papa back. So wow. he gave them he gave them the beat that was Big Papa. He was like, whoa, 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 Puff wants it back. Puff wants it back. Yo, let's swap something out. And they they went through all of these beats together. They wound up picking the beat that became Jeeps, Coops, you know, Beamers and Benzes. Wow. That's crazy. And, and those two flopped. They got Big Papa back, and that obviously turned into one of the most iconic songs in history. So this is where the hot take comes in. I think this is the best song on the album. You, I don't think that's a hot take. I don't, I don't think, think that's a hot take at all. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I think Big Papa is perfect. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And I love Juicy. I think Juicy is great. I think I love Juicy. I think I think Big Papa's way better than Juicy. Okay, now now you're now you're now you're now you need to like step back a little bit because I th- I think that was a little extra. <laughs> I, I believe both songs are in their creation flawless. Uh-huh. Uh And I don't I, I don't think it's a hot take at all to say Big Papa's you know the best record on this. I don't think it's a hot take to say Big Papa's one of the best records at all. When you start using terms like way better, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to push back a little bit. But you know, could come out today. Could come out today. I don't know if Juicy can come out today. Oh, now, okay, stop that. Juicy, Juicy. Give me one reason. Give me one reason why Juicy can't come out today. I mean, does anybody know what he's talking about with Robin Leach? Well... <laughs> Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. <laughs> well, no, you could still relate to that because there's an evolution of that. But PS4, you know. PS5, Big Papa. No, see, and, and see, I, 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 reference is fine. I didn't want to say it because I love Juicy. I really do. It sounds like I don't, but I, I, love, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I, love I love Juicy. I just love Big Papa. I think Big Papa is a is a perfect song. I think it's. Absolutely, and Juicy's perfect too. But this is maybe more perfect. I don't know if you can be more perfect. Big Papa's phenomenal. Big Papa, I love it when you call me Big Papa. Throw your hands in the air. Those are lines that are still mm-hmm. recited today. Um, those, those are those are our lines that work in pop culture. Those are lines that are regularly recited. Um, I think most people. I have no evidence to back this up, by the way. But I think most people just just given just given the things that you hear in pop culture even today, I think most people would side with you and say, What's ready to die most remembered for? I think most people would say Big Papa. Hmm. I think Big Papa's more commercially beloved than Juicy. Yeah. I feel I could be wrong. Damn, I could be wrong, man. And like I said, forgive me. I was now like, that I think about it. If you don't know, now you know. Like that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> they don't. They may not know anything else about, yeah. it, but they know that that line. Yeah. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Remember, forgive me. I'm ten years old. Okay, I'm ten years old. I got you. I don't know. If Ju- was Juicy played on 102.5 out here? 
I feel like Big Papa was the first one played out here. Big Papa definitely was. Juicy, I don't know if Juicy was right out the gate. Hmm. I don't know if that Juicy may have was. something to do with it too. That because essentially that's probably the first time I ever heard Biggie was Big Papa. Like I, I'm not sure, but I can make the argument that was probably the first time I heard him. Was was that song? I know I heard Juicy first, and my 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 recollection is I heard I saw the video mm. because I remember you know the the jersey the stoop yeah. I remember the 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 above you know shot looking down on him I remember that and I remember that being the reason I bought the album I think Big Papa had come out I, like I didn't buy it the day it came out mm-hmm. I think Big Papa had come out by the time I got the album so I was familiar with that song too I can't remember if if Ready to Die played on the radio in Sacramento. I don't feel like it did, man. Juicy did. I don't feel like it did because I I really believe Big Papa was probably my introduction to Biggie. I know one more chance did, though. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I know one more chance did. So now I'm trying to think because I used to have the house party, uh, I was probably 12 or so at this point, a little junior high, Kenny Carraway, junior high KC, Used to have the house party for my birthday in the summer. Did one more chance come out? The remix, I think you laid it out. It came out way after the album dropped, though. Oh, yeah. I would say it was like the third single on the album. It, it was, it was, it was, it was a Yeah, I think it was, it was, yes, definitely sometime in 95 that it came out. Yeah. And that was definitely. On the radio, yeah. It it, it let, let uh, one more chance. Yeah, it dropped. It, my gosh, it dropped July thirty first in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, that sounds about right. He had dropped "Play His Anthem" before one more chance came out. Wow, from so, the Junior Mafia album, Mafia Project. And yeah, then back on one more chance. Wow, <laughs> can't you see? Came out before that. <laughs> oh my gosh, this dude was a he was it, a run. Yeah, it was Big Papa, Can't You See, Players Anthem, uh, and 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 then um one more chance came out. Mm. Imagine that. Like, oh, he's got a buzz, he's killing it. And then a year later you drop what some people could argue is the, the biggest single of them all. <laughs> oh man, we talk about runs nowadays and who's hot and all this other stuff. Imagine from your debut album just a getting a year and a half play off your debut album. Something that could never happen today. Like the single was platinum. The single was platinum. It sold 1.1 million copies. So, you know, I have to look now. I have to see how many Big Papa sold when mm-hmm. it dropped. Uh, it also, it sold 1 million copies. So uh-huh. I guess technically less. What did Juicy do? I'm gonna look right now. Juicy <laughs> probably platinum by now, though. That's the thing. Juicy. Okay, for <laughs> so all of the all of the songs that I looked at, this doesn't have the number, the number sold. Let me let me take a let me just, certifications down here. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm about to say Juicy's an iconic. Like it's it's got to be off the charts. Oh, I, now I need to double check to make sure the rest of my numbers are right. Let me let me just <laughs> double check charts. Let me just double check. I'm a guess. I'm a guess. Okay. 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 So. Okay, so th- th- this, so it's saying it's certified platinum, sold over a million copies. So th- th- now I'm 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 a little off here, but I've got Juicy at four. Nope, I got Juicy and Big Papa now. So Big Papa's number isn't One. isn't uh, it's not a million. Mm. Big Papa's number is not a million. I'm trying to find uh, what I did with one more chance. Give, just give me two seconds. I'm going to find this. What, one more chance is that's Big Papa. I need one more chance. I got Juicy. It's making it complicated. Juicy. I just need to see if one more chance is in the same ballpark as these because this is this is kind of nuts. <laughs> Juicy, like I said, for all that I said about Juicy before, I am no dummy, and I love okay. it. It's an iconic record. It's an okay. iconic record. So the number, the number for one more chance is correct. It's one point one million. Big Papa and Juicy both are six times platinum. <laughs> <laughs> single number one and single number two oh each sold six million records. Damn. Damn. Wow. That's crazy. And how much uh ready to die, Seth? I was about to say I, it's a number I never looked up because Diamond, but they they did it. One part of it was because they classified them as one album, or like they classified this one and this two as two separate albums. Right. So, so I I thought I heard that Ready to Die did Diamond. I want to say it might be oh, eight. Ready to Die didn't do Diamond. Life Life After Death did. And to fit with the theme of the show, it went platinum six times. Mm. Mm. Damn. It went six times platinum. Yeah. Six million copies. That's, yeah, ready ready to die. I mean, we, like I said, we, 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 we it feels like we could talk about this album forever. <laughs> it was never the number one album in the country either. What? It wasn't even the number one album on the R&B hip hop charts. It peaked at three. Wow. It's like Reasonable Doubt. When you look at Reasonable Doubt, Reasonable Doubt peaked at like 36. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, As we start to close this album out a little bit, uh, respect what you have openly disrespected on the radio on a number of occasions. Uh, I do love respect, though. Cause I, cause especially when I first like really got into, I was into the, 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 the whole, uh, reggae dance mm-hmm. type thing. So I, 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 I love that song. I love that song. Uh, I like to actually really like that song too. Friend of mine, which you've already disrespected. Yeah, no, man. It could have, it could have only been, uh, 18 tracks. It didn't have to be 19. The illest record on the entire album, the very last song recorded, Live from Bet Fastavis Son, the livest one representing VK to the fullest. Unbelievable is the nastiest song on the album for my money. I, I'm not gonna argue with that. I'm it's not a DJ Premier track who also did a remix to to Juicy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
DJ Premier did this track on a on a bargain for Big, and it was Big's idea to throw the R. Kelly scratch in there. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Yo, it'd be dope if we did the the unbelievable thing." And and Premier was like, "Oh, you're right. I don't have the record with me. I'll, I'll we'll do let let's try that tomorrow." He brings the record in, and that's how that's how the R. Kelly that's how the R. Kelly sample got in there. Yeah, I ain't gonna argue with that. What you're you're talking about that. The bars are crazy. The vibe for the song is crazy. The production, I mean, it's another perfect song. It, 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 I put together, I haven't, I'll, I'll drop it this week. As a matter of fact, it'll be on social media right now on at D'Lo and Casey or at Damian Barling as you listen to this. But when I was in New York walking down Fulton Street filming all of the stuff that had Biggie's face on it, I put together a reel for Instagram that I knew would drop for this episode. And that's that's the line that I use. That's the song that I use live from Bet for Stavis Son, the livest one. Represent BK to the floor. And then it ends with Suicidal Thoughts, which is I've learned kind of a weird song to have playing in the car with people who don't like grab the concept of mm-hmm. of what you're listening to. But it it, you know, this record hits my playlist because I think it's just a it's a it's a brilliantly told story. Yeah. And it, 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 I've learned that it requires some explanation yeah. <laughs> when you just listen to that song kind of cold Man, that's as to what it is. Yeah. Like and think about it. Like that's, that's, man, that's a crazy track. But it's the, but it's the album. Mm-hmm. The album starts with birth yeah. and it ends with death. That's, that's, that's what the album's called Ready to Die. That's why I say this is, this is a cinematic feature that plays out on audio. It starts with birth and it ends with death. But see, and, and you're 100% correct, but I think the, and, and you know this, I'm not saying anything that you wouldn't know here, but the the way he died is what, like, oh, shit. Like, if he would have got gunned down somewhere, like, oh, man, it is uh, birth and death. But, man, suicidal thoughts self like because i'm a piece of shit it ain't hard to fucking tell makes no sense so here's the here's another here's another studio note they couldn't find the sound they wanted after the gunshot Hmm. so big (laughs) similar similar to the similar to the to the interlude big goes into the studio turns off all of the lights and just says play to hit record play to record so he's got he's got suicidal thoughts and it's you know a, a, as much as it's completed playing in his ear and when it's when the shot goes off he falls mm-hmm. he just f- falls to the ground and that's what they used on the album mm. they could they they were like this is this sound isn't it's not it's not strong it's not believable that big that that's big right they 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 he he went in there and recorded it and they turned the lights on and he's picking himself up off the ground <laughs> listening to that record and taking a pretty hard thud yeah yeah man so i mean but but a great conclusion i mean we, you got the remastered one as well do we add who shot you and just playing onto that either i mean i love both just, of playing. <laughs> just playing is a wild record oh <laughs> man um i mean we talked about who shot you already like i, I that's that's just if who shot you was on the original release it probably uh top unbelievable for me is just mm. the illest track on here 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been one of my top big songs. It was like a song I was chasing when I was younger because I couldn't find it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just playing. Yeah. I, I mean, he he was making amends for that record to like the day he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's no exact. I think there's a story. He was trying to apologize to escape. Uncalled for <laughs> at the Soul Train party. What's uncalled for? I don't care if you were just playing or not. <laughs> you have to say that. Yeah, that was harsh. Uh, and <laughs> like, he didn't really mean it. Like if he if he really was just like wordplay and playing, like damn, <laughs> didn't have to say that. I don't think they forgave him. I'm sure they regret it now. Mm-hmm. But I, if the, there's there's a story, and I think it's in Justin Tinsley's book. He tried to apologize it, again. Nineteen, I don't remember when Just Dreams came out or, or Just Playing came out, but he he, he dies in 1997. He's trying to apologize to escape in 1997, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, whatever. We mm-hmm. we ain't hearing it." And then you know we all we all know what happens after that party. Mm-hmm. So um, this was the album. If, if 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 Rolling Stone magazine got one thing right. <laughs> when they named their top 100 hip hop albums of all time, they only got one thing right. This might be the only thing uh, that they got right. And of course, it can be debated. Any list of the greatest of all time can be debated, mm-hmm. but there isn't anyone who can make the argument that Ready to Die doesn't deserve a conversation mm-hmm. as the greatest album ever made. Yeah. I, I said last week the Blueprint was the greatest one of all time. I mean, and I said, <laughs> my mind might be changed after this episode and it might be, I mean, you know, I'll put it to you like this. I, I'm never going to argue against ready to die. Yeah. Anybody tells me ready to die is the greatest hip hop mouth of all time. I'll just be like, all right. Okay. You don't even need to hear what I think it is. Cause I'm not even, I'm never going to argue against ready to die. It is the theme of the day. It is perfect. It if is you named album, if you named the greatest album, of all time and you took hip hop out of it and you just said this is the greatest album of all time would it be a hip hop album would would uh it, the like for any genre of music yeah if you if you just, if if you if i said Kenny Carraway what is the greatest album of all time it's mm. a good it's a good for me it probably would be a hip hop album and it's and it has more to do for me personally, with like um, nostalgic reasons or things, because mm-hmm. Thriller is probably a consensus, like greatest ever, but I wasn't even bored. Like, I, I know the songs, I can't feel the songs the way I can feel where I was at and where I was going through in my life with the blueprint or ready to die or all this other stuff. I can't, I just can't feel it the same way. You know what I mean? So, for me, yeah, probably so. It, it it would be a hip hop album. I don't know if you if you force my hand. <laughs> What'd you say? I said or confessions. <laughs> don't start that again. Or the unmentionables. <laughs> don't you dare start that again. <laughs> or the unmentionables. Yeah, dude. TV too. Goodness, it could be. A, yeah, it could be a couple of them from the unmentionables. Um, I'd probably, I, I don't know if I'd name thriller or ready to die, but Ooh. it would probably be one of those two. Do you I think bad? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think, I think I'd probably lean thriller over bad, even though I tend to like bad a little bit more. Yeah. 
it would be Thriller or Ready to Die. Is that I would name the greatest album of all time. Do you do you feel that Ready to Die gets is a, is an album that say somebody made a top twenty five uh, album list like of all time on any genre of music? Do you think that Ready to Die gets would get that credit to be on that list? Hmm. That's a and that's a that's a good question. It's kind of the response I'd get you. I'd ask like fifty more questions. Who's making the list? <laughs> like, how old are they? What are their qualifications for this? Because that's the question I was asking when we got the Rolling Stone list. Was mm-hmm. how old is the person that made this list? Right. And, and what are their qualifications to judge greatest hip hop albums of all time? Um, I do think Ready to Die would, if you made a list of regardless of genres, greatest albums of all time. Mm-hmm. I think it's universally respected, probably more so than any other hip hop album, or at least as as much. But part of the reason, and you know, you said this perfect. It's part of the reason I think is Big Papa. Mm-hmm. Big Papa, Juicy, you know, we just went over the numbers for Big Papa, Juicy, and, and One More Chance, the the three, you know, the, the three singles on the album and the amount that those sold in comparison to the to the, to the amount of records that, that Ready to Die sold. I think this would be recognized and held in higher regard than Life After Death is, mm. despite the difference in num- uh, sales, mm. which I guess technically Ready to Die sold more, but right. that's it's a, I guess it's the death only sold five, five and a half. And, yeah. and that was also 15, 20 years ago. So maybe it's sold more since then. Life after death has, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, here's the argument. And before we get out of here, I said the blueprint. Here's the argument for ready to die over the blueprint. The blueprint does not have juicy big papa and one more chance. Yeah. The the blueprint is phenomenal, but songs on that level, it nowhere near. I don't know what Izzo did, but other than Izzo, you you have nothing that. And when you talk about the best, to me, it's got to be everything. It's got to be bars. It's got to be um, true hip hop stuff, and it has to be commercial appeal too. Like it's got to be able to appeal to the masses. And the blueprint does not have anything close to resembling Juicy Big Papa in one more chance remix. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um I'm glad I was able to change your mind. Uh, <laughs> and, and and I'm glad that you can definitively say now uh, after the way you started last week's show that Ready to Die is the greatest hip hop album of all time. Well, just wait till we do the Life After Death review. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. Perfect. Oh my gosh. There's, I mean, is, I mean, this podcast is going to be around a while, man. So we're going to break down uh, some of the great albums of all time. We're hoping some great albums drop that we can review uh, in real time. If we had started the podcast a little bit earlier, we might have done a 10-part episode on Renaissance. <laughs> 
like we we might still be talking about renaissance if the podcast had dropped a little bit earlier um but uh we appreciate you so much for being with us we hope that you enjoyed this episode we hope that you enjoy uh this podcast we hope that you'll hit the subscribe button uh as well as the five stars if you got an extra 30 seconds and you can leave us a review that would go a really long way if you want to share this podcast with your friends you can post it on twitter if you're a facebook user post it there you can share it on your ig stories you can send it in a group text you can help spread the word uh, about corners of the culture with Dilo and Casey. Again, we appreciate you so much for being with us. If you want to check out what we do on a day-to-day basis, you can check out Dilo and Casey Monday through Friday, noon to four Pacific Standard Time on ESPN 1320. You can download an Odyssey app, search ESPN 1320, listen to us live there anywhere uh, in the world. And most of all, we'll hope that you'll be back here next Thursday as this podcast is really getting ready to... Uh, it's really getting ready to to hit a high gear as we're getting ready to transition uh, into our radio studio. Once we transition into the radio studio, you're going to start hearing more from uh, Mia Moore, who uh, hosts a morning show at our hip hop station here in, in, in Sacramento. We're going to start dropping more, not necessarily episodes, but little snippets similar to our our discussion about greatest hip-hop artists of the early 2000s a lot more of those are going to start popping up on the feed uh as well so make sure you subscribe rate and review and make sure that you're back here next week on corners of the culture with d and kc Kala.